Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. Welcome to Not For Nothing. I hope this episode finds you well. I am here again today with Ethan Howard Ham. Hello. Hello. How's everybody? Um, you can't answer me. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I am still taking advantage of the resources at my disposal during quarantine, COVID-19, coronavirus stuff. So Ethan's here a lot during these episodes, but... I've always said that this uh, this show is the show where I have the conversations by which I navigate my life. And most mm-hmm. of those conversations happen with you. So yep. welcome to my show. I think Again. it's also, you know, I think it's also worth noting that we slash you with the show do a lot of, you know, wherever you find yourself, that's where you're broadcasting from, you know. Mm-hmm. This kitchen table is worn out already. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you today about my therapy because last week's episode I did on the eve of my first therapy session and a week later I have had two therapy sessions because I scheduled the second one pretty early in the next week. I had a lot of my fears dispelled about, well not really fears, but like anticipations and trepidations and like what nervousnesses. I just didn't know like I um I realized that I described it. I don't think I described it like this on the last podcast, but I've been going to the eye doctor since I was five. Yeah, I was five when I started going to the eye doctor. And every time I go to the eye doctor, I get a lot of anxiety because you have to... Because I, I was born with a lazy eye. My left eye is very, very weak. It's just kind of supplement. I really only see out of one eye, mostly. And my left eye, my right eye, and my left eye is sort of supplemental, like, for depth perception. I don't, I cannot function with just my left eye. Like, Mm. I could function. If you took my right eye away, I could function with my left eye. Or vice versa. If you took my left eye away, I could function with my right eye. But So when I cover up my left eye to read the chart, he's like, read the chart, yada, yada. I'm just fine. I cover up my right eye. I get so nervous because I feel like I need to say these letters right, like to prove to someone that I can read this chart when I really can't. That's interesting. Like, I hate the eye doctor because you cover your eye and they're like, can you read this? And I don't want to say no. And then I do. And then they do that. Hmm. And I'm like, why are you judging me? It's not my fault. I can't see the V. So... That's where, like, I always get that anticipation of, like, I gotta see these letters right, or else he's gonna judge me. Maybe that's something you should talk with your therapist about in the next session. Oh, I don't care. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's just, you know, I wanna, I don't know, I guess that need to please. Um, I don't wanna talk about the eye doctor in my next session, because that's, like, twice a year, or once a year, or whatever. And I really don't have any high stakes, but still, it's like, I want the doctor to be like, oh, good. You read them all correctly. And then 
This, your whole life has been a lie. You don't need glasses, and you're perfectly fine. <laughs> but um, that's sort of what I was anticipating with therapy was there is a correct answer. Even though I know logically you should say what's true. I can't read this mm-hmm. chart, but I want to read the chart, and I want to, like, get the gold star. You read them all correctly. I guess that's where I was coming from with therapy. I wanted like, what if I, she asks me a question and I don't know the answer, but I feel the pressure to give an answer like at the eye doctor, you know, like Mm -hmm. say what you see. And so, yeah, but that wasn't the case. So, okay. I see that. Um, and we got to some, we got to the bottom of some stuff already. Um, that was really interesting. She, you know, started out by just saying what you're feeling right now. And that was probably the most nervous for me because I don't know, like I'm just like off. Like yeah, I yeah. don't like, like, I don't know. I guess my, in my head, I'm like, I'm really depressed because my, my great grandmother died or something, you know, like that's something tangible to be a problem in your life. Right. Like I know what the problem is. I'm not dealing well with my great grandmother's death, but for this, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm just not well mm-hmm. and I'm sad all the time. And like, I don't know, like, and, the, and then there's like time, it, it feels kind of, you know, schizophrenic a little bit because I'm like, I'm sad all the time. But then you paint this picture of being this like really happy person. And I'm like, but that's true too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it feels really scattered. So that first session was really, at first it was hard. I mean, I was just like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of sad, yada, yada. And that was really the only time that I felt like I had to like assess myself Yeah, in a lot of ways. To say like, what brings you here? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Life sucks, I guess. Because I'm Maybe. sure, I'm sure you felt like, you know, if you were to say, well, I'm not doing great because of COVID. She'd be like, okay, well, welcome to the world, you know? Yeah. And, um, which that, obviously I mean. she wouldn't do that, but I, well, I mean, yeah, but that's, these are the stories you create exactly. in your own head of like, well, she's going to be like, of course, cause every, cause I've had people be like, yeah, welcome to the world. We're all doing shitty. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, is my feelings invalid because everybody else feels them too. Right. Um, no, I mean, she was, she's, I mean, let me just say my therapist is great. Did you have this sense or maybe this fear that, cause you were just talking about, painting these two disparate pictures of yes, on the inside I'm sad and depressed and I'm having a hard time, but on the outside I'm still up and happy and peppy. Mm-hmm. Were you afraid that she might see that? And when you said, I'm just kind of sad right now, she would be like, really? Are you? Cause I don't see that for you. No, not really. She like, that's the thing. This is why therapy works. She saw it real quick. Right. Like, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I do have this trepidation in my everyday life because I have ADHD and on the best of best days, I talk too much. Like I just keep talking and then like I have, and I edit myself when I'm talking, I'm like, you've been talking enough. Mm -hmm. Like I literally Mm -hmm. say, like if I'm talking to somebody like at church, um, I literally tell my stories or whatever when I'm in a conversation, but then I actively say, you've talked enough now, ask a question. Mm -hmm. Like I I do that in my head Mm -hmm. and I don't feel that pressure in therapy because she's like, just keep talking. And I'm like, okay, can do. Cool. Um, But, and and that's just, I don't know the training, I guess for therapists to just really see it from a specific point of view 
is really great. Um, and the fact that she's listening to figure out the patterns, that's really cool too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that super helps everything. On that first one, it was kind of like a sort of rapid fire who I am, kind of figure that out. Um, and it's interesting because I don't really remember the conversation that led to this, but we found out on day one, the source of a lot of my anxiety and my problems is in my life. I have never, ever, ever felt like I belonged anywhere Mm. ever. Like 100%. This is my home. This is the job that I should be doing because this is where I fit. This is the church I should be going to because this is where I fit there. This is the team I should be on because this is where I fit. I never felt that way ever. So that was a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, Obviously, um, it's been several days since you had that session. So mm-hmm. in our private lives, we've talked a little bit about this already. Um, but when you told me that, it was a little bit of, I was sad for you, like very sad for you, because um, I can kind of, I can look back on my life and think about times when I felt that way, but I definitely don't feel that way now. Mm-hmm. And I also know that, during those times, there were other areas of my life where I didn't have to feel that way. Yeah. Um, so just to just not feel like anywhere that you had in your life was a home for you, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. Um, but I was also, in a weird way, as I'm sure kind of you felt too, happy for you because you had a, a diagnosis in a way. Mm-hmm. It's almost a sense of, yeah. oh, that's what it is. And and that's the thing over the course of the, cause like this is on the calendar day. It's a Wednesday. This show will come out tomorrow uh, on a Thursday. And we sort of are in the pattern of when we were discussing it. Um, before then I recorded with you on Tuesday and Mich- and Sarah on Wednesday. So it's been a week since recording and it will have been a week since coming out. And over the course of the last week, since my um, first therapy session, I see it. Like when I do get anxious, it's all rooted in that space of I don't belong here. Yeah. We've had, I've, I discussed this with you and I hope you don't mind me discussing it on here. But like the other day when I got really sad, it was just, I felt like I should just stay out of your way until you're finished getting ready in the bathroom in the morning. Or mm-hmm. if you're in the kitchen making your breakfast, I'll just stay out of your way. So you can get your breakfast. Like I diminish myself always to make things more convenient for other people. And um, I do that at work. I do that here. And so in since the week there, I've noticed it all the time. Like I just step aside mm-hmm. and let people just do what they got to do. I don't ever take any kind of assertion for myself in that way. Yeah. And that's really, I think that is probably pretty jarring. For like, I mean, not jarring, but I think that's probably pretty counter to what people think of me sometimes because I am a big personality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can definitely see, especially in like a work situation, I can definitely see po- people seeing you as, yes, he's a big personality and he's bubbly and animated and all that. But I can also get what I want from him because he'll just do whatever I say. Mm-hmm. You know, I can kind of see that for you. I mean, I've seen that for you in past jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also remarkable to me now that we're sitting here and kind of talking about it and really thinking about it, 
the change that has happened in you so quickly. Um, like you were reading to me about sort of this summary of how these therapy sessions might go. Mm -hmm. It was sort of a general guideline of this is what you can expect. Mm -hmm. And it said something like after the first one or two sessions, most clients experience a notable change. Mm -hmm. And I thought, really, that's kind of quick, but it happened first couple of sessions and you're already noticing it when it happens to you. Mm -hmm. And you're also already taking charge and sort of taking ownership of your own presence in these different spaces in your life yeah like you've done that first and foremost by coming to work and saying look i gotta take some me time i don't care if it's inconvenient for you i'm going on a vacation i'll see you after a few days and luckily to you know because i am friends with people at my day job to hear that like that was the energy i came in with and thank god they were like yeah Mm -hmm. duh (laughs) so and i'm like yeah what do you mean, duh? Prepared for like, battle. And then I, they were just like, okay. Yeah. I, and that's that's the thing. You you build this like, well, I can't do it. Right. Exactly. And like even because I'll get a little bit into it. I, you know me. I hate getting into day job mm-hmm. on this show. But like it's a scheduled weekly job kind of thing. Your, a new schedule comes out each week because I'm part time um, because I got other irons in the fire. So a new schedule comes out each week and some of my coworkers have gotten COVID. Some of them gotten this. So there's sometimes scheduled, there's like days that need to be filled. Like, Oh, so-and-so was working this day. I need to fill that shift. And I always say yes, because I'm working part time. I've mm-hmm. got some free time. So I'm always saying yes, even though I resent every bit of it. And I feel guilty about, not saying yes, even though I'm just like, I don't want to, like I've got other things to do today. Like I've got some rest and relaxation to get to. And I would never do that. And like the whole thing is like, they, it's not personal for people who are asking me, but it is personal for me. Like I like my coworkers. So I want to do everything I can to help them. Right. Even though it's to the detriment of me. And if I were to say no, they'd be like, okay, I'll find somebody else. You know, it's a big company. We got lots of people. So the I feel a lot of guilt all the time. Like I, um, I'll just pause here to talk a, bit, a little bit about something I've done for myself this week. I booked a cabin on Big Bear Lake at the end of July. I'm going away by myself. It's a 250 square foot cabin with a fireplace and a jacuzzi and a kitchenette right on the lake. And I'm taking my yoga mat. I'm taking like five books. I'm taking a couple of bottles of wine. And I'm going to do all this by myself. Um, One of my coworkers thinks that I'm going to get murdered because that's scary. Being in a cabin (laughs) near the lake by the woods by yourself. Um, If I die, I die. It's fine. I need this this break. But I die doing what I've always wanted to do. (laughs) Being a hermit by a lake. Yep. Um, But yeah, I felt a lot of guilt because you and I share money. And I was like, I'm going to spend this amount of, you know, a three, I'm spending three figures <laughs> on a three day getaway. Mm-hmm. And I felt a lot of guilt on that. And yeah, even after you didn't make me feel guilt, I was just, even after I said, okay, <laughs> but I was just like, but this is like 200 bucks. I could be spending this on a credit card bill or something to pay some more debts. You know, everybody's got debts. This could be a light bill, whatever. Um, so I'm still working through that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to going away and that'll probably be the first podcast episode that is solo. 
Ooh, fun. I, I mean, I'm not. I will not find a local unless there's a chipmunk. On unless the that murderer comes porch. in and you say, "Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Hi, before I you murder me with your axe, would you please sit down and have this conversation with I me about why you want to murder me?" Wielding a machete, but I'd like to talk about this and let me upload it to the cloud before you murder me. <laughs> Proceed, so, and then I'll send you. And then I'm like, wait, wait. I got to send Ethan a text. Give him all the passwords for editing. He's going to edit this episode. <laughs> Go ahead and kill me. So, um. Going back to what you were saying about work and stuff, I feel like for most overachievers, as you and I could be described as being overachievers, mm-hmm. um, we tend to paint, especially when it comes to work, I think, we tend to paint um, these fantasies for ourselves. Uh, I feel like for you, it manifests in that way of like, well, it's personal. I It's it's personal for me, even though it's not for other people, because I like my coworkers and I want to do right by them and I don't want to mm-hmm. get in anybody's way and I don't want to inconvenience anybody. And for me... And let me just say, these people I like, they don't give a shit to do it to me. <laughs> right. Just exactly. saying. <laughs> exactly. Because they don't think that way. No, and they saying, don't. And I'm not saying that they're wrong or whatever. Just they don't think that way. You know? Right. They're not wrong. Yeah. I should be thinking more like them. <laughs> well, um, but I know for me, the fantasy is, well, it's different for me. You know, other people can take a uh, a week off or a few days off, but that place would fall apart without me. Mm-hmm. I can't take a day off. They rely on me. Mm-hmm. Do well, they really? And, and They'll survive, you know? Well, and that's something that you and I talk about a lot because my personal philosophy that I navigate this life with is how did you make others feel? I mm-hmm. make others feel important and inspiring and because I do, I shower people with true compliments mm-hmm. and... That makes them feel good, and I really, really enjoy that, and I don't want that to change. But so for me, a lot of things that happen in my life, just because other people get to act a certain way doesn't mean I allow myself to act a certain way. Like, I don't go into a store with a caring attitude. Right. Like, I don't yell at retail workers. I don't yell at waiters. I don't I don't make people feel like crap when there was a mistake that was made. Um. So you and I do have this thing where we do say a lot of times life is a little harder for us sometimes because we hold ourselves to a very high standard with how you treat people, how you navigate this life, what kind of energy you put out when you are in a certain situation. We do hold ourselves to that higher standard. So, And the downside, I think, to that is when you see Karens of the world behave how they behave, it almost feels like a personal affront because mm-hmm. you're like, how can somebody possibly have just the, the ego to behave that way? Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to throw Karens through a plate glass window. Like, does it hurt now? Right, exactly. That's why I do spend a lot of time on Instagram uh, handles with, or it's like Karens of the world, Karens yeah. being getting their ass beat, whatever. Like, I love watching a Karen scream at somebody and then say something racist to a black lady, and then she just beats the hell out of her. And I'm like, ha. Don't say these things. Instant gratification. I love it. It gives me such joy. By the way, did you hear the latest on, what's her name, Cooper? Amy Cooper? Who's Amy Cooper? That lady in the, the park? The Central Park, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Central Park actress. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the latest on her? No. She's fully getting charged. Charged? Yeah. For what? She's being charged with like falsifying an emergency situation to the police. <gasps> that is true. Calling 911 in an emergency, or calling 911 when you're not in an emergency is a, is illegal yeah so So. her saga continues she did it and then she lost her dog and her job 
And then she got her dog back. I was about to say, I thought she got it back, but. And now she's being charged. Well, so, I mean, her life do is a roller coaster. Not call 911 unless you have an emergency because not it's not just fooling people. You're also tying up phone lines mm-hmm. for people who might have an emergency. Mm-hmm. And you're wasting time for these people who could be helping other people. So, good. Sorry. I do not care. That you are having to deal with all this. Right. I guess next time somebody asks something nicely of you, please put your dog on a leash. You'll just do it. Yeah. You'll just do it. You'll pull your mask up over your nose because, you know, your mask is not over your nose, just over your mouth. Are you breathing through your mouth? No, you're not. You're breathing fresh air. So what the heck is the point of you wearing a mask, Karen? And see, there's... You're going to do it. There's so much just true horror happening right now but there's also so many great things happening right now like the fact that we're we as a society are done with the karens we and Mm -hmm. the reason why i think they are able to do these things like yell at strangers and call the police because they're being what spoken to in a public place is because this is the first time in their lives that they have ever actually had to deal with consequences for their actions yeah and they don't know what to do with that yeah, people don't know what to do with being told what to do. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, and then we're going to go back to the original topic. <laughs> right. Uh, what's interesting is, like, a lot of people who don't believe in the Black Lives Matter movement and don't believe that, you know, things are as dire as they should be for black people and cop relations, they always say it. If they would just comply and they'll do what they were right. supposed to do, everything would be fine. Well, look at you, white people. You don't comply. You and don't want to do fine for you. You don't want to like somebody tells you something to do. You're not going to comply with it. You're going to make up a breathing exactly problem so that you don't have to do what you need to do. You're going to lie until you get what you want. You're going to call 911 and pretend there's an emergency because you don't want to put your dog on a leash. So, you know, don't and you ever, do that because at the end of the day, you know that people who are facing you are going to just give up and be like, whatever, it's oh, not yeah. that big a deal. Absolutely. You do not, you hold yourself to a very, 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 very low standard compared to what you hold black people to. So, sorry. Sorry that this world is like, white people are so uncomfortable right now, and I do not care. Right. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't care that you're uncomfortable. I don't care that you don't like being called a Karen. I don't care that you feel like all white people are painted a certain way because of a, a few. Mm-hmm. Don't care. Get over it. So anyway, back to me and therapy. Back to me. And focus. I wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned your therapist saying in the last session mm-hmm. that really sort of struck me. And I wonder how it made you feel when she said it to you. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned something about how she made some kind of assessment. Oh, she said that you were like tamping down your feelings. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then before you said anything, she stopped herself and she said, wait, I'm so sorry. I should not have said that. That was me projecting my analysis onto you, but that might not be your truth. No, she she had said... Um Something about, and so you tamp down your feelings again. And she'd already said tamp down once and then kind of like reverted like, well, not tamp down, but this, you know, this is what you said. And then the second time she said, and then you tamp down your feelings again. And she goes, I'm sorry. I, you've never said tamp down 
your feelings. You never said that's how you felt. So I don't want to like, she goes, I don't want to put that notion out there if that's not true. She goes, it's just that while I was listening, that's what kept popping in my head. And he suppressed his own feelings, suppressed your own feelings about things, tamp it down, keep the peace. She, so like we have a title for me now. I'm the peacekeeper mm-hmm. and I'm avert. I, I avert you conflict, know, conflict all as much as I can. But, um, I told her, I was like, no, I, that actually is probably accurate. I said, I don't feel like I'm tamping my feelings down, but I think it's because I've tamped my feelings down so much. It doesn't feel foreign to me and it doesn't feel bad on the onset. It just feels like what you do. And so, yeah, I'm the peacekeeper. Um, but what was your question about that? I just wanted to know how that felt for you when she said that. Because I know that that's something that you have struggled with mm-hmm. is people putting words in your mouth and sort of people making up their mind about how you how they think you should feel or how they think you should behave about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you say, no, that's not really the case, they just don't accept that as being the truth because that's not what they think it should be. So when you saw your therapist kind of catch herself doing that and then apologize to you for it before you had to say anything about it, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know how that felt for you. I mean, it felt nice. I mean, because that's, um, I mean, yeah, it, it just, it felt nice for that validation of like, well, how do you feel? But also she was right. You know, she is well versed in hearing patterns in all human behavior. I mean, that's what therapists are. And she sees whether I've said it or not. She sees that I, I put my feelings away. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it did. I mean, it's funny because I do know that I do that, but because you only get 50 minute sessions, I know for sure that I do that, but I don't have the tools to figure out what to do while I'm doing it yet. And that's not a dig at therapy, not a dig at her. It's just like, okay, we're here two sessions in. I know what my patterns are. I know that that's a problem. What do I do when those moments come up? And I did do it. Like I powered through. Like I was like, I'm kind because another thing that happened was something happened. Day job, yada, yada, pissed me off. And I just was like, I threw my hands up a little. I was like, nope, I don't accept that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not dealing with it. And it felt so aggressive on my part to be in that space. But also it was like, well, I've got to get aggressive. Like I do know that there's a time to get aggressive. And I have a very long fuse. You don't. No. <laughs> and I, and you know, and it's like, it's a balancing act between you and me. Like if Ethan's pissed, that don't really mean a whole lot. If I'm pissed, it means a lot. Right. You better watch out because that fuse has been sizzling for a while. But that's the thing. When This week I did get sort of, you know, I, I, I put my foot down and I said some things that I just like gave my opinion on it and like gave my feelings on it. But it felt so aggressive. It didn't feel normal. It felt like the, you know, the wits end kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I know that I'm going to try to stop tamping down my feelings, but, um, and there's certain things that like, I don't, um, I don't feel the need to like address because there are still times when you need to just let it go mm-hmm. because I have some friends in certain circles where we have separate conversations going on from the group 
<laughs> and it's like, oh, God. Those what? are the best. Whatever. So that's my space to just like have that camaraderie. Like, did you see what she said? Yes, I saw what she said. And she's an idiot, right? Yeah, she's an idiot. Like, we agree. Ta-da. Done. Yeah, I don't know what to do when you have to deal with it yet. Like, I don't know where my... I want to be comfortable with that. And so she also said that our next session is going to be solely focused on um, my values. So that's exciting. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't wait to see how that goes. Everybody should be in therapy because I don't know. Just it's it's nice to like get organized with like you know it gives me the permission to throw things away. Yeah. Like throw it away if it's serving me no purpose anymore. Yeah. Um, and it also brings it to the surface because most of the things we're not using in service no purpose, they're very deep and they affect other things, not just like come up and do some people's do do like some people they they live a value that doesn't seem i don't think serves them well sometimes Mm -hmm. um for instance like somebody who's always going to every single protest for every single cause they don't even have a day job kind of situation yeah um to me that doesn't serve any kind of purpose because you got to be more focused on values yeah i agree for me the first thought that uh the first thing that came to mind and I'm not trying to make a statement. People, as Whoopi Goldberg says, save your emails. I'm not trying to say anything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times I hear somebody say, oh, I'm newly vegan. And I'm not eating meat anymore. I can't believe I ever ate meat. It's, it's crime, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then you ask them, okay, well, what's your diet like? And then they're like, oh, I just eat trash. I eat donuts. I eat chips. I eat pasta two times a day. You know, like, what? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. And I guess for some people, the whole point of being vegan is not eating meat anymore. Yeah. But if you're going to be vegan, but then you're eating a worse diet than you were before when you weren't vegan, Mm -hmm. maybe you should rethink that. Well, and that's, well, first and foremost, let me say I eat meat and I will and I will and I will. See, I could, I could totally be vegan, but. Vegan? That means cheese, milk. I know. You could give up all that. I could for sure give up milk. Um, I don't actually drink a lot of milk anymore. Butter? Uh, Butter, man. There's always oils. Yeah. But the cheese is the thing for me. The cheese is for sure the thing. I have honestly never had vegan cheese. I only ever hear that it's terrible, but maybe it's not anymore. These days there have been leaps and bounds made in vegan. Well, you know, we we ate uh, Beyond Meat enchiladas the other day and they were pretty good. I didn't care for the Beyond Meat enchiladas. I liked it. Like I've heard that Beyond Meat sausage is good and I like Impossible Meat. But yeah. beyond, I it was a little. I'll try. It impossible. wasn't amazing, but it wasn't terrible. I'll try the impossible next time. Um, but yeah, I like the impossible. I mean, like I was, I'm a big, like I remember for Lent a couple of years ago, I gave up meat and I had the uh, veggie patty at Subway and. See, I love the veggie patty. It had chunks of carrots in it. I could I know. see it. It was gross. I liked it. Um, but this impossible meat, I can do it. So, but yeah, like. You and that's what I'm excited about. Session number three. It's mm-hmm. all about your values, so that you don't have to become vegan and then eat donuts. Yeah, because you. It really is a strong foundation for moving forward in your value system, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't want to get you ahead of the game or anything, but are you anticipating coming across any values that you don't need anymore? Maybe. I'm more excited about values that. I don't know that I hold. 
Right. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe I know my values very well and it's going to be a very brief conversation because <laughs> I do really know my values pretty well. Or at least I have a, a strong voice in what matters to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I live my life based on how did you make others feel? And, you know, stuff like that. I know that I am a Democrat. I know that, you know, I have a, I have a strong voice in creating labels for myself. I'm Episcopalian. I'm gay. I'm a Democrat. I am a, a positive person. I like to put on the positive hat. You know, those values, I do know those pretty well. But I'm, I'm interested to see what she is going to bring to the that notion for me. Yeah. So I'm excited for you. That sounds like a, a fun experience. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it has been a very fun experience to because it does feel like it's systematic. It like a systematic way of approaching emotions, which is not a systematic thing. It's it's how you feel, not logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of logic in how you feel. Sometimes I'm finding like there's patterns. Yeah. So. Um, but it's funny because she kind of like, I, I do, I come in, I burst into the room like in a happy, positive way. But the more we talk, it's so funny. Like she was like, after the first session, she go, she would, um, she said, well, you know, I, there's no systematic thing that says this is when we'll be done. I cannot stand at session one and be like, it's going to take 10 sessions to work this out. She goes, but I have been doing this long enough to know, to sort of see a little bit of a, you know, see what the problem is see where we're going to go and know how she said mine would probably be about 10 to 12 sessions. Mm-hmm. And then after that would be just kind of like maybe periodic check-ins. Um, but then, so, and then the second session, I would say something and tell a story about my family or tell a story about this or that. And she kept going, Oh, 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 that's hard. That's a lot. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I think my story might be. I was like, are we going to need 13 sessions now? Because <laughs> I'm a little bit more screwed up than you probably think. Um, but and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just that, you know, there's a lot of muck. It's like, you know, you have to you have to clean the filter. Mm-hmm. And so it gets a, it's really dirty when you clean the filter for the very first time after you've, you know, bought the machine and you've never cleaned it in 33 years. Right. Um, it's going to be real dirty. And then you learn how to clean it periodically so that it's not so screwy. So that's, that's what I'm anticipating. So you said you've seen a change in me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know that, you know, you came out of that place that that day where you were so low and so depressed and then you were very you know reticent going into your first session and then it was almost like after that first session it was like people say it all the time but it was like a weight had been lifted from you mhm yeah i mean and there was it was just trepidation of the unknown and this is my theory. Here's a running theory, and I should probably ask Sarah or somebody else who's been to therapy before this. Um, and Sarah has actually changed therapists. I've only ever had one therapist ever. That's it. Uh, and I was so lucky because we mesh so well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just so compassionate and so um, just so attentive to what I need. And that's just, that was great. But I wonder if this is a theory worth 
putting out there that like within the first five minutes, all my fears and anxieties about therapy itself were dispelled. And if that doesn't happen, it's the wrong therapist. Find another one. You know, it's like, don't let that deter you from going to therapy. It's almost like a first date, you know? Well, yeah, that's like what they say. a few minutes into that first date, you know, oh, I'm going to see this person again. Mm-hmm. And because I have a friend who said they would, they were like, I tried therapy, but um, it, it just didn't seem to work. And every time I would go for like three sessions, they would ask me the same questions over. And I'm like, like, how you feel today and stuff? And I was like, no, like, how old are you? And do you have a girlfriend? And so I was like, well, that was a bad situation. That's a bad therapist. I was like, don't you take notes or anything? So stuff like, thank goodness I don't do that. Like my therapist already knows your name. um, And like knows like that I have one sibling, but I was also raised in a very large extended family. And that's a big part of it. You know, I didn't really talk about that so much today yet, but like, it all kind of goes back to the way you were raised. Yep. And that's the cliche about therapy. You know, like it all goes back to the parent. And it, it all really goes back does. To the family, and it really does. Yeah. It really does because you learn what's normal when you're young. And this is some hard truth. And if it upsets anyone who happens to be listening, I'm sorry, but this is the hard truth. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection on my personal values and feelings about any one particular person. But I was raised in a world where I, and, and that's the thing, I don't know. I don't know if it was ex- explicitly told to me or just implicitly present. Shown to you. That yeah. I needed to be different. Mm-hmm. I what The who I was was not acceptable. I was too feminine. Mm-hmm. I was too sensitive. I was too creative. Mm-hmm. I was too flamboyant. And their system worked on me. Right. Because I spent a lot of time trying to masculine it up and try. I dated girls. Butch I, it up. I butched it up to the point where now I'm still 33 breaking some muscle memory habits. Yeah. And fl- and feminine it up all the way yeah. all over all over town if I want to, because that's my prerogative and it's not and it's not bad. Right. But that's what it was. I was told implicitly or explicitly I don't really know, you know, the memories, they, they get blurry, Mm -hmm. but who I was was not correct. Mm -hmm. And who I was, was not valid enough. I need to change the, who I am so that I can be valid to people who do not feel the need to change who they are to be valid to me because valid to me does not matter to them. But me being valid to them matters so much. Mm -hmm. And because I'm the type of person who is averse to conflict, I just let it happen until the point where I just go crazy and, you know, do things that might be abnormal. So as goddess Oprah would say, that is your aha moment. And I think, and I always, you know, this stuff you always know, but you don't realize that it's like, Oh yeah. I thought this was just, you know, I thought this was a breeze that blew by. Nope, this is the Mm-mm. shoes you're walking in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mixed metaphors, I guess. But, you know, it's not just a whisper. It is a, it is, you know, it's a tattoo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think this brings up a whole conversation about, like, nature versus nurture and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think 
a lot of, you know, behaviorists these days would say that it's both. It used to be, which one is it? It's either nature or nurture. Which one is the most important? But I think nowadays people would say that it's both and it's different for everybody. You know, it's a different, yeah. um, it's a different blend of those things because I feel like you and I got a lot of the same messages as mm-hmm. kids. Um, the difference was, and I'm sure that, you know, once I start going to therapy, that's going to come up for me too. Oh, once you start going to therapy, are you going now? I always said I was going to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sure that's going to come up for me too. And that's going to be probably the source of some things for me as well. But I think the difference between you and me is maybe it indicates that you're leaning more towards nurture and I lean more towards nature because you got those, uh, you got those messages from the people around you and you internalized that and thought, Oh, I need to change my behavior and who I am to make these people happy because I love them. Mm -hmm. And I got those messages and thought, well, who cares? This is, I'm going to do this anyway. I mean, this example I'm going to give is is small and silly, but then again, maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, once I learned how to skip, I did it all the time. It was so fun to me. Really? I like to bounce up high in the air. Yeah. And anytime my dad saw me skipping, he'd say, boys, don't skip. And I was literally like, ha whatever. And I just kept skipping. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And so for me, there's a, I have a different memory that sticks out really hard with like just how much I was willing to do. I remember the day that I was conscious of how gay I walked. Mm. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in the 11th grade or maybe 11th grade. Yeah, I think it was 11th grade. Um, And, you know, I'd always been like kind of conscious about, you know, walking pretty masculinely or walking pretty, you know, like, you know, just like I'd been conscious of being like, let's do, you know, be as masculine as you can be. Mm -hmm. But I remember I got up out of my chair and there's a girl named Sheila. Mm -hmm. And I overheard her say this and I'll never forget it till the day I die. She said, Oh my God, look how he's walking. It's so gay. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment that I changed. Hmm. Like that was the moment that I was like, I'm not good. Like I've got to change all this. Like, so that was the day that I would wake up in the morning and think, walk to the bathroom like a straight man. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, wow, that's making me really emotional, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that moment. And like the way that you do your hands, the way that you do anything, the way that you sit in a chair, mm-hmm. that was the moment where I was like, my casual efforts to um, just pass was no longer working and no longer acceptable. Hmm. And that was that was the moment that I, um, yeah, I really leaned in because later that afternoon, not really, but very quickly after that, I started dating a girl and I started, um, you know, she was beautiful. She was drop dead gorgeous. And what's interesting, here's something that a little link. Um, so I dated her and then in my senior year, I dated another girl and then my freshman year, of college, I dated a third girl and then I moved to California for the first time. And the third girl, I, cause we all went to school in Wallace state, this little community college 
in my local town. Um, like I, that was in high school, but we all still went to Wallace afterward. You know, it's just what you did. Mm-hmm. If you didn't go away to university. Um, and so the third girl that I dated told me after I moved to California that the first girl I dated asked her, Kyle's in California now. Has he come out yet? Huh? So even the girls that I was dating were sort of like bullying me. Yeah. From afar when I was 18. Like after you think, oh, it gets better after you get out of college or whatever, high school, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm, you connect the dots. Like people are shit. People are awful to other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think back on the person that you were and you're like, well, that's sad yeah. for, th- for them. Right, exactly. Like, he was just trying to have a good time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and yeah. I remember asking my cousin, because I, you know, there's, because there's a boy and a girl for my mom and dad, and then my mom's brother has a boy and a girl, and then my mom's sister has two boys and a girl, but the oldest bro- boy died in a car crash. So there's two boys, two girls, two boys, two girls, two boys, two girls. And then my aunt and uncle on my dad's side, the only one sibling has twin boy and girl. So it's just like boy and girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking one of my cousins, did you ever play with Barbies? And he was like, yeah, I did. Um, Because the girl was always older and the boy was always younger. Huh. That's funny. In my family. And he was like, yeah, I did. And I asked him how old he was when he stopped playing with Barbies. And... Mm -hmm. He was like probably about eight. And so I knew eight years old. That was, that was when I needed to stop playing with Barbie. And you were how old? I don't know, like six maybe. Yeah. But I knew that there was a, there was a time limit mm-hmm. on how long I could do girl stuff yeah. until it was just no longer acceptable. Yeah. I'd probably still be playing Barbies today if I could, <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess I could now if I wanted to, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's just fascinating the the calculated way I grew up at six years old calculating how to live normal. Mm-hmm. If he could do it, my cousin could do it till he was eight. He's very straight, very masculine. Mm-hmm. You know him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, if he could do that and, and stop playing with Barbies at eight, eight years old, I can do that too. So I got two years and I've done that my whole life. I got two more years of fun. I've got two more years of this. I got one more year of that. I still do that in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I compare. And that's something that we're finding in therapy is I compare myself to other people a lot more than I, that's right. not in my value system. Right. I preach. This is your, this is your journey. You got to live your journey, but I, it's not completely true to who I am. Right. So it's interesting to, yeah, we to were, dig deep from we were just birth having, to now. We were just having that conversation yesterday or the day before about how you felt like if you were trying to do something and somebody else got there first or did it too, then you might as well just not because it doesn't mean anything for you anymore. Yeah. I um, And again, if anybody's listening who feels like I am kind of calling you out, I try not to use any names except for Sheila. She can she can know what she did to me. Exactly. Um. And maybe she's got kids now, so teach them not to do that. Um, I try not to call anybody out, but like, I'll, I'll give a real quick example. Like, I wanted, um, I wanted a Herschel backpack. I was going to say you can use me. <laughs> I wanted a Herschel backpack in um, in New York. Like, you know, I wanted something really nice, sturdy, 
And I don't remember, was it like a hundred bucks? 80. 80 to a hundred. And we were hurting for money oh, yeah. then. We were hurting for money. $80, we could not afford to just go drop $80 on a backpack. Like if you had come to me in those days and said, hey, I want to take a three night vacation for $200. I would have said, you need to leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, okay, we don't have it. We don't have 80 bucks to get you a Herschel backpack. Right. Um, that's what that was. And I just wanted it. And like, I don't know, it was, it was just something you saw all over New York. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I like that. I want that. And I was scrimping and saving for that thing for like, I mean, not super long, but you know, I was, I was really waiting till I could, you know, treat myself on that. And then over Christmas, you just got one. Mm-hmm. Like it was nothing. Your mom gave it to you for Christmas. And it just, it made me so sad because like the stuff that I'm working hard for you just got it. Like, and that's been a, a thing for me. And like just recently, and again, this is, this is one of those situations where like, if you hear it, if you know it, I'm, it's not about you. It's about me. Um, but now I'm in a space where I'm saving up and this may be ridiculous to anybody listening. I'm saving for an espresso machine and I'm not wanting the, you know, $50 Mr. Coffee, Coffee espresso <laughs> machine. I'm not even looking for the $150 espresso machine. The one that I want is $899. I upgraded by the way. I wanted the 699 mm-hmm. one and I've decided I'm moving on from that. I want the 899 one. Mm-hmm. $899. And I'm excited about it and I talk about it a little bit and I'm saving, you know, the little bit of money that I have here and there. Like I have a pipeline of money that comes in $20, $30 a week or whatever. That makes it sound real shady. <laughs> I I okay, I again, day job get tips. That's it. And yeah. I save my tips. Um, so I save my tips and it's, it's sometimes 20 to $25 a week. I'm saving that. That's the money I'm going to buy this, this Breville espresso machine for $899. That's what I want. Don't judge me. I love coffee, but I have a friend who was like, Oh, I might get one of those too. And it's just like, I'm working so hard to do this and you're just going to go out and do it. And it just, it feels to me, and this is not valid, but it is how I feel. It feels like it invalidates my hard work to get to it. Mm-hmm. When when I'm working so hard to do something and then somebody else just goes out and does it. And that happens a lot in my life. And that's something I have to deal with, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but um, I kind of wanted to just compare, compare notes on the whole back to the upbringing thing and the messages you get and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said many times that I feel like I fell in this weird sort of limbo land where I didn't, I wasn't explicitly told these things are bad, but I also wasn't given the messages that you're okay exactly how you are, you yeah. know, which I think was maybe why I was able to just be like, whatever dad, when he said, boys don't skip, because again, I was never told you can't do this, but I was also never told who cares. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was able to sort of like make my own decisions on those things. Um, and I think, uh, again, small and silly, but maybe not, example of that is the same dad who told me, boys don't skip. I will never forget because I always thought it was so funny, but also kind of telling. Um, we like stopped somewhere to, it was the whole family, and we had stopped somewhere to get gas. And daddy was walking into the gas station to pay. And mama was watching him walk in, and she said, prissy. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, Look at how he walks. He has a little swishy walk. I like it. Uh-huh. So, you know, and I mean, my dad has never been 
I mean, he's a Southern man. You know, he works a blue collar mm-hmm. job. He's yeah. not by any means like, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a feminine side to him, but he's also not super masculine. Yeah, like, like macho. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. There's yeah. no machismo. There's nothing about like him. that to him. He's yeah. very tender and he's very, um, he's you know, he loves the women in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has an interesting balance there too. Um, but yeah, just those little moments of like the same guy who told me boys don't skip has a swishy walk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know. Just one of those weird moments where, again, nature versus nurture. And you know what I'm doing right now? This is just weird and not even related, but I look at my hands at 33. My dad was 39 when I was born. Mm -hmm. And um, I look at my hands now, and my hands are starting to look just like my dad's. Really? It's really weird. Couldn't couldn't tell you what my dad's hands looked like when he was... Well, I just remember growing up. whatever. You know, I was very, I was a very tactile person. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm sitting on my dad's lap, we'd be, like, kind of clapping Mm -hmm. and, like holding hands and you know that's how we all my family did and i just remember his hands and yeah i look in the mirror sometimes and i'm like that looks like my dad's hands well just weird but yeah. fun fact you are a very tactile person oh i am you 100%. hit me all the time oh i do i'll slap you stupid if i'm having a good day yep like i'll get up like, and you know where i get it i get it from my mom mm-hmm. when my like and when i come home like mom she'll just punch me in the arm just over and over again just because she's like i'm so excited to see like, you just your hair and she started doing it to you too when she comes to visit have you noticed a that? little bit a little <laughs> well bit. and my dad will always say i'm glad you're here because now she'll hit beat on you for a little while <laughs> and i'm like yeah we're just a very touchy-feely family in a lot of ways we hug we kiss we do you know so it's it's really weird these juxtapositions, you know this mm-hmm. this duality that comes through all of us. Yeah, exactly. And I guess if you so the moral of the story is send your children to therapy so yes. they don't have to work through decades of shit when they're thirty three. They'll just you know understand it because you spend your life unraveling it if you start going to therapy. I guess. Yeah, if your kid goes to college and they graduate, their graduation gift needs to be therapy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their high school graduation gift. I don't know. I feel like it's maybe too young. I mean, I unless they're clearly Sarah, going through something. Sarah went. To, really? You think that they need to be going through something to go to therapy no, 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 as a no. child? I mean, like, unless they clearly need the help. I feel like, honestly, the only reason why I didn't say go to call go to therapy during college is because ain't nobody got time for that when you're going to college. Oh, I think you do. You got time. If you got, you always got time for it. Maybe you you're can right. make time for it. Maybe and I right. think there's no, I think you're, you're not ever too young to go to therapy. Sarah went to therapy when she was eight. Yeah. So that's what she said. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a little bit of your upbringing in you too. Maybe. You don't need therapy. Well, you do. Everybody needs it. Yeah. So yeah, that's the first week of my therapy session. Sessions. First two weeks. Two. Well, it's two first two sessions. It's been only a week. All right. True. So would you recommend therapy so far? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, go get a therapist. Because, I mean, I think if therapists are not getting rich off of 2020, hello, then we're not doing something right because we've all got stuff to work out now. And there's no time like now during the, I mean, it already sucks. This whole gear sucks. So why don't you just go work it out? Work out some of your stuff. Let it suck even harder. And then when Joe Biden is elected president and not saying he's the greatest thing of all time, but we might be able to return to some kind of normalcy, then you might be normal yourself. You might feel balanced. You might feel excited about the future instead of just dreading it because it's 2020. So, yeah, go to therapy. 
I recommend it. Like I said last week, if anybody has any therapy stories, any therapy journeys, anything you want to share, please do so. You can write me on Instagram at Kyle L. Henderson or go to the Facebook page, Not For Nothing, and join the group. Um, because I, I'm i so excited to be sort of one of the, the therapy goers in this country now because there are a lot of people who are going to therapy. And... They go because it helps. It's helped me tremendously. Um, Like I said, I'm still kind of raw because I know a lot of what's going on, but I don't yet have the tools to really, really, really stand assertively in my own voice to handle those things right away. But that's, that's the joy of therapy. It comes in chunks that you can digest and I'm, I'm in it now and I appreciate you for being so supportive and in it with me. Of course. It's nice to have a front row seat to it all. Yeah. Just to witness the transformation. Does it make you want to do a little bit of soul searching and transformation of your own yet? Mm-hmm. It does. I think that's it. That's all that we have to say. So like I said, follow me on Instagram at Kyle L. Henderson. Follow Ethan on Instagram at Ethan H. Ham. And just know that if you're going through something, you're not alone. I'll see you next time.